Hello, everyone. Welcome to How to Read Chinese Poetry podcast. I'm Zhong Qicai, the program host. In this podcast program, my colleagues and I aim to introduce cutting-edge scholarship on Chinese poetry to a broad general audience. We will present 52 episodes covering the major poetic genres developed over China's long history. Each episode features close reading of one or more of the best-known Chinese poems, with an aim to illuminate their literary greatness and cultural significance. For all the discussed poems, Chinese texts, English translation, romanization, and brief notes are provided at our website, howtoreadchinesepoetry.com. By following the 52 episodes, listener will gain a bird's eye view of the thematic, formal, and generic evolution of Chinese poetry from antiquity to the modern era. Instruct and delight is what we wish to accomplish in each talk. Without further ado, let's begin. Today, our guest host, Professor Su, will present his second episode entitled "A Bad Breakup in the Han Yuefu." Let us welcome Professor Su. There is one I love. This is a song about a woman pining away for her absent lover. But when she learns that. He has jilted her for someone else in the south of China. She becomes infuriated. There is one I love. There is one I love. He is south of the Great Sea. Why should I send you anything? As for your tortoiseshell hairpin with twin pearls, I braided it with jade. Yet when I heard that you have another love, I shattered it, smashed and burned it, smashed and burned it. Facing the wind, I scattered its ashes. From this day on, I will absolutely love you no more. My love for you is severed. Cocks crow, dogs bark. My brother and sister-in-law will know. Alas, alas, the autumn wind sows. Miss Sparrowhawk shrieks. Soon, in the east, dawn will be breaking, and it will be known. The earliest version of the poem is preserved in Shen Yue's Yuezhi monograph on music of the Song Shu history of the Song Dynasty, written in the fifth century. Like we fought south of the walls. In the previous episode, this poem is categorized as one of the eighteen Gu Chui Nao Ge songs for drum and pipe and nao bell. The title is taken from the first phrase of the poem. It is a common practice for compilers of later generations, because the original work probably did not have a title. 
The poem begins with a forthright exclamation of the narrator's love, which is unusual. Even in fifth-century China, few literati would have openly written about their wives or families. Still fewer about their own love affairs. Judging from this tradition, it is hard to imagine any literati of status in the Han time. Would have written a poem like this. Here again, it perhaps represents both an original folk song and literary revisions. Not until line three, which contains the word "jun," denoting a male in classical Chinese, does the reader realize that the poem's narrator is a woman. The woman is in love with a man who is far away in the south. When she hears that he has jilted her for someone else, she becomes furious and decides to burn and destroy his gifts to her. Another possible reading is that she destroys the gifts she is about to send her lover. The fiery character depicted in this poem is rather different from the typical female image in classical Chinese literature. Indeed, women in the Han perhaps enjoyed more freedom than those in the Song Dynasty, especially in marriage. Divorce was not stigmatized, and remarriage was normal during this era. For example, the wife of Chen Ping, the strategy advisor to the first emperor of the Han, had married five times before marrying Chen. All her previous husbands had died. Overall, the female persona in the poem is a strong, energetic character who will allow no compromise in her love affair. This kind of female image in poetry is unprecedented and inspiring. Line three has been traditionally translated as. What shall I send you? Accordingly, it is understood to reveal how the woman is thinking of sending the gift to her lover in the south. But the expression "he yong" in Han time usage usually represents a rhetorical "why should," or more plainly, "do not have to." The hairpin with pearls seems to be more appropriately understood as a gift from the man. It makes sense that after the breakup, the woman would wish to burn the love token. The act of destroying the gifts not only demonstrates how decisive she is, but also suggests how deeply she has loved the man to have such a violent response. Line three is an allusion to poem number twenty-three in the Book of Poetry. In which a young woman begs her lover to keep quiet during their tryst, so that the dogs will not bark. The expressions "cocks crow" and "dogs bark" sound especially rustic and perhaps too vulgar and plain for a man of letters. The two expressions appear for the first time, respectively, in the Book of Poetry and in a Han Dynasty poem. Go. Dog seems to have been a common word in the Han 
since we find some examples in Han poetry. However, through the six dynasties, dog's bark as an expression appears once only in a poem written by the famous 4th century poet Tao Yuanming, whose poetry was not appreciated by his contemporaries because of his unpolished style. Thus, these two expressions display a truly unsophisticated, plain-spoken style of composition. In the closure of the poem, the woman discloses her fear that her brother and sister will learn about her affair. Anne M. Burrell has speculated concerning the woman's fear that she believed that the attentions of the young official were serious, and now pregnant, fears that the news will soon come out. It is, however, difficult to determine the identity and status of the woman's lover, as Burrell proposes. Burrell's idea that the sparrow hawk is a metaphor for swift passage of time is also baseless. In fact, here the sparrow hawk, Chen Feng in Chinese, refers to the title of number 132 of the Book of Poetry, which is traditionally understood as a woman missing and waiting for her husband to return. This is probably why the author of the poem uses the bird image here to imply the woman in her heart still hopes her lover will return. The autumn season at the end of the poem, however, does seem to symbolize a dire future for the young woman because her unsuccessful affair will become known to her brother. Since line 13 alludes to poem number 23 of the Book of Poetry, in which a couple's secret tryst is depicted, line 13 and 14 may be read as a recollection of the lover's rendezvous. The last line describes the woman's tossing and turning in her bed in anger, confusion, and fear until dawn. This is a vivid poem portraying an outspoken woman who is not afraid to express her true feelings. The autumn season at the end of the poem, however, does seem to symbolize a dire future for the young woman because her unsuccessful affair will become known to her brother. Since line 13 alludes to poem number 23 of the Book of Poetry, in which a couple's secret tryst is depicted. Line 13 and 14 may be read as a recollection of the lover's rendezvous. The last line describes the woman's tossing and turning in her bed in anger, confusion, and fear until dawn. This is a vivid poem portraying an outspoken woman who is not afraid to express her true feelings. Let us thank Professor Su for such a stimulating talk. We look forward to his presentation of the last episode next Tuesday. I hope you enjoyed the talk. Let us relax and listen to a reading of the poem 
in Mandarin. 有所思，有所思，乃在大海南。何用问魏君？双珠戴帽簪，用玉少聊之。闻君有他心。拉杂催烧之，催烧之，当风扬其灰。从今以往，物复相思，相思与君绝。鸡鸣狗吠，兄嫂当知之，非呼吸。秋风簌簌，晨风思。东方须臾，好知之,之。